0: Westchester Talk Radio is broadcasting live. News, trends, and more. No one knows Westchester County better than we do. We are Westchester Talk Radio. Good day. Welcome to Rockland Talk Radio. I'm John Marino. We are produced by Shark Creative. We are made possible by Robeson Oil, the house that service built. By Lipolis Electric. Don't be left in the dark. Get Polis By Hightower, Westchester. Managing your wealth up and down the Hudson Valley to a fiduciary standard by White Plains Hospital, by Michael Labriola, landscape design and construction of our monk and by Tompkins, Mayor Pack Bank. Here on the Cup of Joe political show, we are joined by Rockland County Executive at Day Ed Day. Welcome back to Rockland to talk radio. We are almost two years into a pandemic now. Do you feel like we are moving out of this pandemic step by step or are we just going in circles with variant after variant? I,
1: I think we are, we are, in fact, moving out of the pandemic uh, for sure. I think we are going in circles for a variety of reasons. None of them have anything to do with the virus, frankly. Um, I think it's, it's it's really a matter of messaging. that comes from various levels of government. We really just start to confuse more often than not. Um, but the fact, the fact of the matter is here in Rockland, which is what I focus on, um, is that our numbers have recently been decreasing. So we've been seeing an improvement in the infection rate. And again, we're talking about positive, positive uh, cases. That could be someone, an orphan is someone who is asymptomatic. So it doesn't mean somebody is is actively sick. It just means that they are testing positive for the virus. Uh, and um, we, we look at, the amount of people who are testing positive and compared to a hospitalization, which in my in my informed view is extremely important, because as you remember, in Rockland County, we had at t- sometimes we had about 350 people in the hospitals and the ICUs filled up. Uh, it, you know, uh, at, at one any one given time. Now we're we're in the area of 20 to 30 hospitalizations as a general rule. So. Um, We, uh, you know, we we have we're looking at typically two to three percent of the um, the number of reported infections. Uh, that two or three percent of that number is hospitalized people. So it's a very very low number. Um, we our vaccination rate is very high, and I've been very clear. We were the first county in the state to be honest with the people of Rockland because of the panic-driven efforts that were being done by many others. Um, we revealed to people that the, um, the vaccination uh, is not an all-encompassing or a panacea for this virus. Uh, we, we, have, we, we reported that at times we saw roughly one-third of the people hospitalized were fully vaccinated. Uh, and I don't say that to tell people that the vaccines are failure. What I tell people is let's be honest about what we're dealing with them. And, and John, as you know, i in from day one. We need to learn to live with this issue and take, make best judgments, understand that there's always a risk. Um, an upper respiratory vaccine is often not going to deal with every variant. We, we know that. This is found in medicine. So what I tell people is this. I myself got vaccinated. Um, I felt it was a right decision for me at 70 years of age. Um, the only comorbidity I had was uh, was a prostate cancer that now is under control. So I thought it was a small move for me. What we can say with some certainty uh, is that if you are vaccinated and you do not have any other issues going on within you, that the duration of the infection should you get it or hospitalization, even should that happen, will be short. Will be shortened, and the intensity of what happens to you will be softer. Um, those things I think are we're comfortable saying. Uh, but we certainly know that obviously it's uh, the vaccine is not a cure. Uh, it's a tool that can be used to minimize. The, uh, minimize any potential damage that can happen to you. So, you know, again, uh, in Rockland County, we're approaching 80% of the 18-plus population being vaccinated. And when you look at our 65-plus uh, grouping of people, uh, we're just under 93% are vaccinated. So so when you ask the question of, you know, where, where do we stand? Well, we I think we stand well because the vast majority of people in Rockland are now vaccinated. We're happy to report that. Again, I think that does, does, does help the overall picture of what's going on, both for each person involved, but also for those who are near them. Uh, I think that's that, and part of the, part of your concern for your local community. I think that's all this is all positive.
0: Do you feel like we have herd immunity now with so many people vaccinated and more and more, I'm sure, still to get vaccinated when they see the light, if they have not as yet?
1: It, dep- it depends how you describe herd immunity. Now, obviously, we had a situation here in Rockland a couple of years back regarding the measles. Now, herd immunity for the measles is pretty much no one ever gets measles. That's, that's herd immunity. We don't have that here. So if you're going to uh, mention her, if, if herd immunity is going to be the topic, we have to kind of really define what that really is. I think to the extent that having so many people immunized here in Rockland County, when you compare it to the number of hospitalizations, which I think is probably the best measure we could have as to the severity of the virus. When you compare those two things, the picture now and the picture back in twenty 2020, not even close to each other. Not even close. I mean, the a complete difference in situation. situation. Um, and it, this is where, you know, one has to wonder just how far do we take it uh, as it relates to forcing people to get vaccinated or the losing of their job. Because we're creating in some places um, situations that are ca- very counterproductive, to say the least.
0: Do you feel like life is pretty much back to normal, to pre-pandemic style life? Um, I think people can choose at this
1: point to choose have have to have life back to normal. That's in some ways almost a, almost a personal a personal decision. Uh, there's no reason why you should not feel normal. I, this is my view. Again, some will argue with that. Some will say, but if we still have the virus. You know, we still we still get it. And if you hear how I say that, you hear the, the, the anxiousness in the voice. That's what you'll hear from people. And certainly, everybody's entitled to feel as they will because they have to be comfortable with their own skin. Nobody should ever criticize that. Um, but I, I think you can choose a level of comfort and normalcy right now because at the end of the day, we're dealing with a virus that 2 to 3% of those people who get, get the infection just merely test positive are being hospitalized. hospitalized. You're looking at hospitalization rates ten percent of what they were at the worst part of the pandemic. That has to tell us things are better. Um, you, you're, you're looking at you're looking at a, a, a vaccination rate in, in Rockland County in the in the um, in the almost eighty and ninety percent range, ninety three percent range for our, for our senior citizens. So normalcy has been achieved by the numbers. For by and large, so again, I ask people at this point that you know recognize those things, recognize the good. Ah, uh, recognize the positive because you all too often hear sensationalism and politicism. We don't do that here in Raqqa. We're being honest with people. I have seen, and because we have done our Facebook Live with people, we've done uh, we see the responses from people. The responses we're getting now, when we give people the honest assessment of what we see and what is going on, has changed significantly from the reaction we were getting early on, where the state and the federal government was pretty much running the show and essentially really making, making anxiety that uh, the the the, um, the lunch matter of the day was just anxiety.
0: You bring up an interesting point, and I think you're the first person throughout this pandemic, and since we were able to get the vaccine, to term the situation this way, that getting back to a normal life is a personal choice, basically, at this point. You are the first person to... Use those kind of words and that terminology about the situation and where it is right now. We see schools trying to get back to normal, and then we see those who are opposed to maybe ever getting back to normal in schools. Is this a union thing? Because no matter to me where you stand on the issue, if you say, I don't want to go back and teach because I'm afraid something could happen, I could get sick, I understand that. If you are offered the vaccine, get a vaccine, go back to work, and you still say no. Well, some might say that person just may not want to work, and we're talking about some teachers in particular.
1: I, you know, I, I'm not gonna get too deep into this. I'll say, I will say this though, um, that let's be honest about this. That as serious as COVID is and has been, we can't minimize that. This is not Ebola, this is not measles, This is not the, this is not polio. I don't think my own feeling, and and when I say my own feeling, my own feelings are related to people. I have 1,750 employees here. The mandatory vaccination effort um, has gone well beyond where it should go in my in my view. I think that we have people who stood a post and were there for us on the front lines during the worst of the pandemic, and now we're taking their jobs away. I think there's something grotesque about that, and the irony in my opinion, John, is that one of the reasons why we've gotten here, some of the same people, and your your listeners will know this, some of the same people who were screaming they would not take the vaccine for political reasons, nothing else. They were calling it the the, the, the previous president's vaccine. They would not take the vaccine because it was, and that's politicism. Okay? They're the same people now threatening people's jobs to get vaccinated or else. I think there's something very grotesque about that. I think the American people uh, are smart enough to understand when you give them the truth, when you give them in a calm manner of what you can expect to see and what you can expect out of a vaccine and whatever, they're going to make a, a decision that makes sense for them. But let's put this in perspective. I mean, the, the reality, when you drill down to the realities of this virus, what we're finding out is one of the largest drivers of this virus is liver room spread. That was something that we knew a year ago. So it's not shocking. So it's you know I think there's an overreaction, but the overreaction really has been driven by a lot of the a lot of the talking heads, a lot of the people in in government who really for no other reason other than to to, to um, further their own political ambition will come up with almost anything. We have studies coming from all over the place. We have no idea who these people are. We recently had a story in in the USA Today, uh, maybe three weeks ago. The headline was. Uh, Panel of scientists saying booster shot will likely not be necessary. Now, you can imagine that got my attention. And I started reading through it. There was no connection that I could see between the FDA and the CDC. It was just it was a panel of, of star, star-studded scientists. Okay, that sounds great. So now we have something that the average person reads and now saying, hey, this star-studded panel of scientists says, guess what? We don't, we're not, not going to need a booster. That's, I mean, that's near reckless in my view. I mean, who are these people? And we have the media getting the information out. We have social media, which really can, can very be very unhelpful in times like this, obviously, because anybody can throw anything they want out there. You don't even know what's true anymore. So the, the, the management of information is critically important in crisis. And that's not, we're not saying that to hide something, but if you look at emergency management situations, which, again, my background, I've had command and executive authority and two police departments. When you have a crisis, the most important thing that has to happen out of the gate is calm. You have to establish calm and you have to establish an honesty with what's going on. That did not happen with this. There was nothing but anxiousness made. You remember our former governor? He was discussing the issues with schools. And we were all watching his TV show, which I know he enjoyed. He had a great time talking on TV. And um, he turns around and he makes a comment on the lines of, well, if that was my child, I wouldn't send my child to school. And the comment that was made in my executive staff meeting was that governor of New York just scared the the, the Jesus out of every parent in New York State. What do you accomplish by that? He also said
0: I wouldn't send my mother to a nursing home right now. Exactly. Well, for good reason. He sent the other ones there.
1: Um, but, I mean, for what, what, what do you accomplish as a leader by doing that? Nothing. You make things worse. And this is because instead of having the professionals run the show out of the gate, which are our health departments who are trained to do this, and in Rockland County, we had more than just trained personnel. We had personnel who actually did this with the measles a year earlier. So, anyway, look, it, it, we are where we are now. Um, I'm hopeful that, and, again, I'm hopeful that, The messaging that comes out from the various levels of government uh, and through our uh, medical experts um, is is, is designed more to to reach people, to have them join in an effort to to concern themselves appropriately about public health. That's the important issue.
0: Rockland County Executive at Day here on Rockland to Talk Radio. I'm John Marino, the Cup of Joe political show. As we head out of 2021 now and head into 2022, the 2022 Rockland County budget, how close to normal would you say this is based upon us getting back to a pre-pandemic way of life?
1: I, the, the 2022 budget is the first budget we put together that I can actually say that I'm very, very glad to see. Um, and this was, this, was an, this was an effort over eight years in the making. Remember, we were in a situation, we had a $138 million deficit. Uh, we were the most fiscally stressed county in the state of New York. We had $42,000 in the bank after making payroll um, in January, January 2014. We, our, our bonds were one step above junk. We were near bankruptcy. You could not have gotten much, much worse at this point. Um, where we are now, that $138 million surplus is uh, sorry deficit is now a $90 million surplus. Uh, our bond, we've had about 14 bond upgrades. Bond upgrades have save real money. And I explained this to people by we have a Harvard Garage building right now. Um, and the savings we have because of our bond raise is about $2.5 million. That's and that's about the equivalent of a, of a 2% county property tax increase. So these are real dollars. Um, we, we no longer borrow money to, to you know, revenue anticipation notes, um, or to, to make, make our payroll, for example. Um, we are moving out of, of bonding everything because we had no money. We are now, like, for example, vehicles, vehicles were being bonded for one very, one very good reason. Rockland County was near broke. We are now making, making our department heads ensure that within their budget, that there is, um. That there is monies for things such as vehicles, which they should not be capital in, in expenditures. Um, we are being aggressive on infrastructure. I firmly believe I will. Uh, you know, politicians love putting off infrastructure improvements because they rather leave it for the next person because it means spending money now. It means called biting the bullet now. That's what that's called. I will not delay necessary infrastructure work to dump it on our kids and our grandkids. That is again. I've used the word grotesque again. It's just not right. Uh, you also dump a cost of three, four, and five times the amount of the project when you wait that long. But here's the best part of this. The property tax increase for in Rockland County in 2022 is zero. Zero. No county property tax increase. Bear in mind, we came from a place where we had double-digit tax increases for three years running, 30 18%, and 11% in three years prior to my coming into office. Those days are gone. We have a we have a lean organization here in Rockland County. Uh, we are now moving out of emergency management. We're now moving into moving to positions where we can operate in a calm manner as opposed to a, an emergency mode, which you can't keep that up forever. Um, so th- things are going very well right now in Rockland. Um, we have the American Rescue Plan funding that uh, we are working on getting that into our into into Rockland County's communities as an investment. Uh, and to be clear to people, the monies that the federal government um, you know is giving us and um, has been has authorized us, it's about sixty million sixty three million dollars over a couple of years. That money is completely separate apart from our budget. Uh, you can it, it would be reckless to start mixing the two for two reasons. One, federal government finds out you did that. They will come back and claw that money back later on, and that would create a new deficit number one. And number two, whatever you do, with your, your normal county budget, you have to prepare for 2023, 24, 25, and so on. If you start spending money with the presumption that you're going to continue programs out of the American Rescue Plan funding, you're going to have to pull that money from someplace else, which means the taxpayers' pockets. So we're, we're being very careful about this. We're still waiting. The biggest complaint across this nation right now is there's still, the municipalities are still looking for some certainty as to how we can spend the money. Um, it's, it's very frustrating because we get a lot of um, maybes, what ifs, and we, we, we believe is going to be okay. We don't have any firm guidance from the Treasury Department, so that's critically important. So what we're doing is we're laying various plans out. We brought people on board that we paid for by the American Rescue Plan funding so we have a good structure that's ready to go so we're prepared to ensure that any monies we spend are spent properly and max, maximizes uh, the benefits of the Rockland County community.
0: American Rescue Plan. You mentioned that a couple of times. That also includes the rent eviction moratorium for New Yorkers and people nationwide. How important has this been in Rockland County, the rent eviction moratorium? It keeps getting pushed back now. I guess January is the new supposed cutoff point where rent-wise for renters, for landlords, et cetera, things are supposed to get back to normal. And yet we, I'd have to say, we would expect probably that to be pushed back again come the new year. Do we need to get that back to normal or as long as we get that funding and use it the right way we can, keep putting this deadline off and off, back and back? Yeah, well, the the
1: problem you have here is that the the longer government intercedes in the market the worst it gets. I mean, there's no other way of putting a government. You know, there, there was a, a saying that Ronald Reagan said was a, a, a phrase that would strike fear in the heart of the average American. The phrase was, I'm from the government, I'm here to help. And, and that, unfortunately, we, we all see too often. The, the emergency rental assistance program stumbled out of the gate. Uh, the state was handling that. Um, so we had, we had tenants who were not getting assistance who needed it. We had landlords who were not getting payments that they necessarily need also because obviously if you're a landlord, especially here in Rockland with most of these are small landlords, um, they're they're counting on revenue to pay their bills. So, And some of these bills are things such as taxes, for example, mortgages. These are fixed costs for the the landlord. So this is one classic case of you see the landlord and a tenant really in the same boat. Um, They're both in need of help. So the emergency rental assistance program is, is uh, now starting to come out come out uh, you know in, in in a stronger way. Rockland residents have been approved with 6.5 million dollars in assistance, and uh, they do provide um, emergency rental assistance to those who um, who are in need of it. The income levels have been have been changed, and uh, those numbers now are, are up to 120 percent of the area median income. So that is going to be helpful to a lot of Rockland County uh, uh, tenants and landlords. And what I would suggest to any Rocklander who's listening to this, who wants information, they should contact our Rockland County Department of Social Services, because they can provide you some details that we would not to be able to do here in the show, obviously. And that number is 845-364-3316. 845-364-3316.
0: How about as we move along into the new year and we talk budgets and the planning for budgets, you're going to get Hudson Valley, at least, is supposed to get over 90 million dollars from the state of New York to battle the opioid crisis, as it turns out. And a lot of that money is going to be in the southern part of of the Hudson Valley in Westchester and in Rockland. We still have a serious opioid problem here in New York State and around the country. How important is this to get this money from Albany now? It's,
1: it's as important as we want to prevent any more deaths as best as we can from the scourge of opioid abuse. And the numbers mm-hmm. that we're going to see here in Rockland, of the understanding is nowhere near that number, it's going to be a single-digit number in the millions. We're not sure exactly what that will be. Now, uh, the state of New York has been has been famous for grabbing money whenever it comes in and making sure making sure they they decide what to do with their money. Uh, there was legislation that was passed that, specific, as we're told, specifically directs this funding to go to programs and outreach and, and get it into the hands of people who do need it. Um, I'm hopeful that that expectation within the law is, 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 uh, does come through. So, um, look, there's a, there's a lot of things we can do here to to deal with this, this scourge of opioid abuse. We've been doing a lot on our own here in Rockland. but program and services are critically necessary uh, in order to intercede in this, in this, uh, scourge. So we'll, we're, we, we, we are on this right now. We have our office of uh, mental health, uh, is, is focused on making sure that this information and dollars come to us as soon as possible. And once we have it, we'll be working with our, uh, with our partners in the community to make sure the funding gets to the places where it's needed most. New governor, Kathy
0: Hochul, how helpful has she been so far since she's been in office to Rockland County?
1: You know, look, I mean, we're, we're going to have agreements and disagreements. I've said the same thing about the previous governor. Um, my job, frankly, as the chief executive of this county is to make sure that I get along with every other uh, elected official that we have to work with. That's just a responsibility. Uh, screaming and yelling and ranting and raving and making things personal doesn't help. Uh, I, I know Kathy Hochul to the extent that I have met her a number of times when she was here with lieutenant governor um, she seems pleasant enough she seems genuinely interested in what uh you know what is um you know what need, needs to be done when she comes she came down the rock in the past um you know I'm not a name with the fact that she seems to have aligned herself with the progressive left whatever especially particularly when it comes to issues involving public safety I think that's a wrong-headed approach and I take I say that with the 25-year background in law enforcement. I think that it's, 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 uh, we're going down a wrong road as it relates to alleged criminal justice reform and bail reform. Look, nobody wants to see uh, you know, a young kid go to jail and not be able to get out because he can't make a $100 uh, bail. Uh, but let's understand something. That is the absolute rarity. People who go to jail and cannot get bail, more often than not, are the ones who, if they get out, will, will, will commit crimes over and over again. and That's exactly what's going on. So she and I do not agree with that. Um, I will say that it did take a little bit of time before she reached out to the county executives, but she did do that, which I felt was positive. Uh, we're starting to have meetings now a little more often with our staff. Uh, we've made it very clear to the staff that we don't believe the best way to handle governance is through press releases. This is how the governor did it before, the previous governor. Uh, we, we like to have lines of communication that are, that are open and utilized in formal ways. This way... If we've had situations where the governor is, has, um, has offered up a, a new strategy, a new plan, which he's absolutely entitled to do, obviously, the governor of New York. But if the implementation of said plan falls to the counties, I think it's a fair expectation that we know about it beforehand. So we're prepared because the first phone call the average Rocklander is going to make is not going to Hochul. Gonna be the Governor Hokel. It's going to be the Ed Day. They want to know what's going on with this. And th- we went through this with Governor Cuomo. We had to actually wait for a weekend at times when he would announce something on a Friday. Um, we had to wait for direction, and then we were left to look at the same TV images that the average rocker looked at and asked to explain what the governor meant. I am not clairvoyant. I, I certainly am not, and certainly not clairvoyant when he came to Governor Cuomo. So uh, it was a frustration for all the county executives in the mid Hudson region. I can say that because I regularly spoke with them in the control room panels that we had here in Rock- in, the, in New York State. So. You know, I I think it's a positive at this point. Um, And again, we can disagree on matters of policy. That should not get in the way of my ability uh, to communicate efficiently and effectively with the chief executive officer of New York State. That's exactly what I
0: will do. Does the state legislature need to reform its criminal justice reforms?
1: They should have done it yesterday. Uh, There was 150 some odd uh, points in that law. Uh, they, I think they changed 15 of them, if I remember correctly. It, it, it is beyond stubbornness at this point. Every, by any measure you take right now, what they have done has created a nightmare. And believe it or not, we have other parts of this country right now who are even doubling down on top of what they've done. I'll give you an example. Um, I was there with my fiance, we were at CBS the other day, and we were told that uh, Walgreens in California now is shutting a number of their stores down because guess what happened shoplifting is no longer a crime now i know this may sound simplistic but what do you think happens when shoplifting is no longer a crime you think it stops or it gets worse there's no sanction there's no stopping there's no arrest being made um this is this is the kind of logic that's being used and what's happening is stores are being are being picked clean and they're shutting down that's not what should be happening here um, we have situations now where in California, again, uh, car stops, not, uh, non-enforcement car stops, some such data calling them, uh, are, will not be made now, and things such as auto inspections, um, tail ice being out, things of that nature, because somehow the onus is all of a sudden on law enforcement to be civil during a car stop. I don't understand why that had become that way. I, I, I was always civil to people who I pulled the car when I was a police officer, and I expect civility back. That should be a given, but what happens when that inspection, for example, um, you you don't get your car inspected, and you're not forced to, obviously, but you were not stopped and told that you you're getting a summons if you don't, um, and that car fails and create and causes an accident, what do we say to the victims of that that car crash? That we 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 wanted to be nice, we didn't want to we didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings or or or, or enforce a law that should be enforced. Uh, it makes no sense. Tail lights. Um, I had a particular. Uh, approach towards to rear taillights being out i worked in up in washington heights in in, uh, in manhattan and i drove the palisades parkway home every night after 4 to 12. now you can barely see your hand in front of you in the palisades parkway at 2 o'clock in the morning That's right back there's no there's no lighting on that highway um i had come up on cars during the night that had no taillights dark cars in particular and almost rear-ended them and i told people i pulled over i said look you can promise me all you want that you're going to get your taillights fixed. But if I let you go here, you're, you, I'm going to trust you're going to do it. We were able to issue summonses and with that, you had 48 hours to come back to a local precinct and show the police officer there that the lights were fixed. With that, they gave you a form and you mailed the form and the ticket in and it was no fine. There was no points in these license to begin with, uh, you know, for that kind of violation. But now there was no fine. All you had to do was get the car, get the, get the lights fixed. Why is that a problem? This was such a smart, simple thing to do. Now we're being told, or cops are being told, you can't pull a car with the lights out. What do you tell, what do you tell the family who rear-ends that car and their 10-year-old kids in the front seat or the rear seat and, and ends, up, ends up becoming a victim to, victim to that action? For only one reason. Somebody was not allowed to enforce the law. This, this has gone to almost sheer madness at this point. Uh, it's, just not, it's just not a viable way to go. And I, I really wish that some of our elected officials would start focusing on critical issues as opposed to trying to manage police resources.
0: Rockland County Executive Ed Day here on Rockland to Talk Radio. We thank you for coming back and joining us again. Hope we get to talk again real soon. Thank you, Ed Day.
1: Always a pleasure, John.
0: Thank you. Ed Day here on Rockland to Talk Radio. I'm John Marino. This is the Cup of Joe, political show produced by Shark Creative, made possible by Robeson Oil, the house that service built by Lipolis Electric. Don't be left in the dark, get Lipolis. By Hightower, Westchester, managing your wealth up and down the Hudson Valley to a fiduciary standard. By White Plains Hospital, by Michael Labriola landscape design and construction of our month. They work all around the Hudson Valley and beyond. And by Tompkins, Mayor Pack Bank. Catch all of our Rockland, Westchester, Putnam, Duchess Orange, and Fairfield County Talk Radio programming on our YouTube channel, Shark Creative YouTube. You're listening to Westchester Talk Radio. Powered by Shark Media, a division of Shark Creative. And made possible by Entergy, Indian Point Energy Center. Visit safesecurevinyl.com.